Hey guys, before we get started, I just want to let you know that this is an intervention episode. So there are going to be some hard topics in this one. Um, obviously drug use, uh, domestic violence, um, suicide, uh, sexual assault against children. I mean, it's a dark one. So if any of those things um, might make it a tough listen for you, it's okay to sit this one out. All right. Take care of yourself. Hey guys, Princess here and welcome to your weekly bonus episode from the Buy Pumpkin Pod. I was going to say podcast. Patreon. This is a weekly bonus episode. Um... I'm sad. <laughs> and not like I was the last week. You know, I was like, I don't know, feeling a lot of feelings about um, stuff. And maybe this is something um, related to that. But last night, that Demi Lovato docu-series dropped. There were two episodes, and I think in a week there'll be two more episodes, which I wasn't prepared for. So I heard this was happening in the middle of that freeze we had in Texas where like I didn't have electricity or water. And I was saying to myself, well, I just gotta make it to the next month <laughs> and I'll get more Demi Lovato content. And as I've told you guys, Demi is a lust object in my, I just think, I think she's really cute. I think that she seems like she'd be cool to hang out with. I don't really know anything else about her. I think I can name one song at Sorry Not Sorry, but I heard that song after I was like, oh, who is that cute girl? And cool for the summer. Cool for the summer. I know that song, but like, I didn't, I don't, I, I didn't know like how she got fake, like why she was a famous person. Like I, I didn't know shit about Camp Rock. Although I remember the promos, but you know what? Demi Lovato looks a lot fucking different than she used to. I think that Demi, so, like, when she was Disney's, like, emo rock girl, she really, you know, at the time, they all were, like, you know, all those girls around that, um, whiteness was great, really prized, I don't know how to say this, that when Demi Lovato was younger, she didn't really lean into the fact that she's not a white person, um, or excuse me, she's not, She's ethnically different than a lot of the other Disney girls. And now (laughs) she, I'm assuming she tans. I don't know. She's a lot darker. She has dark hair. I, I think she's got thick thighs, which I'm into. Although like talking about her body isn't very helpful to her. So please don't tell her I said that. Like I'm like into thick Demi and like, yeah. So, so like I, I, First of all, she's that whole thing where she used to do. She, I'm too old for that. Like, when I guess she's on Disney, I would be too old for that shit. Um, I might have seen her on Barney because we used to watch Barney in high school (laughs) during like, like after they did the like TV announcements, they would be like, like the TV in the classroom do the TV announcement. Our homeroom teacher would turn to Barney for us because we all wanted to watch it for some. I don't know. We were high school students. And so, like, I did watch episodes of Barney in high school and college. So I might have seen her on Barney, like, in real fucking time. But, like, all that other shit, I'm too, I'm, I'm too old for that. So, and then, as I was telling Liz, like, I'm really good at, like, not interacting with stuff I don't care about. 
like really good at just like not knowing stuff. Like when I started watching that Big Bang Theory, this, uh, you know, I'd never seen it because I used to work at nights and before I had DVR, by the time I had DVR, it's like, what's this show been on for like eight seasons? I don't know. It was, it was been on a long time. I was like, I don't, I don't want to get into stuff. And so like, uh, Kaylee Coco or Cuckoo, whatever, whatever her name is, like I haven't. I remember her on Eight Simple Rules, but that's as far as it goes. So, like, all this stuff about her being a horse girl. Didn't she marry a tennis player real quick and then she cut her hair? All that shit. I didn't know nothing about that because that was, like, none of my business, you know? And so, like, all the Demi's Disney work and then, like, Disney drama stuff afterwards. Like, stuff with Selena Gomez and the Jonas Brothers. Who, by the way, I just found out. There are four brothers. I think Liz told me that too. There are four brothers. One doesn't sing, I think. Maybe he does. I don't know. But I thought it I thought the Jonas Brothers was a duo. I didn't know. I had no idea. So during that time, I'm too old for it. And then like my early twenties was fucking hard. <laughs> it's fucking hard. And I just did not have resources to be watching TV, to be, you know on the internet one there there's a whole swath of internet culture i'm not a part of because i was like working two jobs and taking care of a drug addict and it's like i and in, in school like I, I i'm just not like so my intro to demi is me seeing was she on america's got talent or was it american idol or america's next best dance crew what if she was on the show where she, like, helped judge people. I'm not sure. But my, it's post that. Because I didn't watch that show either. Because I don't even know what the fucking name of it is. So <laughs> I also find it hard to watch shows like this. Because they uh, they obviously put people on TV who are not going to move forward. But they put them on there for us to laugh at them. And that's often people with developmental disorders or um, disabilities. Uh, people with ment- with intellectual disabilities and they will just like trot them out like a dancing fucking bear so we can all laugh and there's just a real difference between someone laughing with you and someone laughing at you you know and I I, I can't so I've never gotten into like the American Idol or even the voice stuff I've never gotten involved in that because I because I can't get past the first parts where they're just like, let's bring this freak out, you know, and make fun of them for their little segment and then send them home. I, I, I like, I can't get past that. So I don't watch those shows at all. Even though my sister-in-law was on The Voice. Um, but I... Or is it going to this? I have somehow run into Demi Lovato culture afterwards and just been like a fan. I'm using bunny ears because I would like to have sex with her. That's that's it. And I think that's fine. That I just think she's cute and I'd like to hang out with her. And I just think she's like, you know, I, I think men do that all the time. <laughs> I think 90% of the time, if you, t- if you ask a man who's a fan of a woman for something, it will be like, I want to fuck her. So that's my, that's my contribution to feminism. I'm just, 
I'm just a fan of people I want to have sex with, and I'm not going to, like, be upset about that. But I didn't want to watch this um, docu docu-series. I, again, I thought it was a documentary. I thought I'd be watching it in one day. But apparently two episodes dropped yesterday, and two episodes dropped, the ne like, next week. And, like, it was 11 o'clock at night. I just finished, like, taking notes for this podcast. And I was like, oh, it, it came out today. And I decided to watch it like a dummy instead of going to bed. And it's sad. That's all. I knew it was going to be a little sad, but it's sad. And I think in the second episode, I think that, so first of all, this is the ascending action, right? So, so when you guys think of like how, um, like a story, a story, oh fuck, the words aren't in my head. I'm sorry. I can't remember the name of it, but the way people tell you a story is they talk, start at the beginning. They do rising action till we get to the peak of conflict. Like that rising ac action and conflict happens, 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 conflict, 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 till we get to the peak, right? And then it's falling action and conflict until we get to the end. And so what the thing is, though, is that what they dropped yesterday was kind of half of it. So it's all the bad stuff. And I'm sure that in the last two episodes, they're going to show us Demi being strong, Demi coming back, and Demi, like all that. Sure, sure, sure. But, you know, it's like that time. You remember? Maybe you don't. When Malcolm X came out, that movie with Denzel Washington, and it was on like, D, it was not DVD, it was on VHS. And that bitch was like two big ass VHSs. And I remember my dad had the VHS. And so I was watching it by myself. And I was like very pro, like me converting to Islam at the beginning. <laughs> and then I got, I got tired and I was like, I can't finish watching this movie. I went out to play and thank God I finished the movie. Not that I'm saying that this is like, <laughs> that Malcolm X movie is the end all be all of Muslim, of Islam. But had I watched the first half of the movie and just never finished watching like the part where it's rising action right? And everything's looking a certain way. If I hadn't gotten to the part where Malcolm X uh, broke with um, a nation of Islam, and I just read, I just saw the first part, I would be Muslim today. <laughs> like That's what I'm saying. It's like, you need the whole part to get the whole story, to get your whole feelings on the subject, right? Um, and so, because I didn't get to watch the whole thing, it's only in halves right now for the I'm just really sad. Um, I think I'm, Liz and I talked a little bit about this. And by the way, Liz is going to do on her Patreon, Liz explains it all. She's going to do an in-depth thing on this with, I believe her name is Matilda. I'm so sorry if I'm getting this name wrong. Um, who did the last documentary with her. And I'm, I'm like really excited for that. I love, like, I, I just feel like, Again, I think her name is Matilda. I felt like Matilda spoke so, like, intelligently about the whole thing. And I'm like, I really would like to get her take on this again. Um, so, uh, I'm excited for that. But, so if you guys want to hear someone talk intelligently about that, listen to Liz and Matilda. But as for me, I'm just, like, sad right now because I'm, I'm thinking about Demi. Like, what are we supposed to do with Demi? What's Demi supposed to do? And I guess uh, a short answer would be like, stop using drugs. But Demi's been using hard drugs since she was like 13 years old. She's been drinking since she was like 11. 
like drugs I've never fucking heard of she's been using. Um, or heard of, but like, don't know anybody in real life. I don't know anybody in real life that huffs. You know what I mean? Like, that always seemed like some shit on TV. Like, like a throwback, you know? And, but she's been using hard fucking drugs. She's a part of that Disney machine. I think she's going to talk about, um, I think, because this played at South by Southwest already. I think that um, what's going to happen is she's going to talk about her losing her virginity in a sexual assault. Um, there's a lot of fucking trauma in her life. She's the daughter of an addict and a, um, and a, uh, eating disorder, someone who has an eating disorder. And by the way, they say the word eating disorder this time because in the last one, they inferred that her mother had a eating disorder. They, they alluded to, and we all inferred that her mother had an eating disorder. But in this one, Demi's like, my mother has an eating disorder. And, and like I said, child stardom is like fucked up. And being in that Disney shit, all that fucking trauma from that. You know how people would just get on the internet and be like, you're an ugly bitch. You should kill yourself. I've been looking at that gap in your teeth. Long. You know what I'm saying? People just be like wilding on the fucking internet. And she is, she's been internet pop culture since she was small you know what i mean like dude she's been through it and she's she i think she was six years sober maybe ish when she relapsed when she started drinking again and like i don't know dude like she she'd been sober she was 19 years old which is so fucking young it's not the youngest plenty of people go to rehab when they're like 17 and I don't know what they do after rehab is, you know, it's up to them. But, like, I don't know. I just feel like Demi has more experience with drugs and recovery than people two times her age. And, like, I don't know what the answer is for her. You know, and, again, Liz is going to talk much better about this. So just let me babble here for a second. You know, like, she's talking about, Demi's talking about how she's using marijuana. And I think she's drinking as well. And so I don't know if she called it sobriety. I'm not sure what she call it, but it all falls under like harm reduction. The idea that like whatever we can do to reduce the danger, the effects of what you're doing, even if it's not abstinence completely, um, it's the I, we donated to a, to a our Patreon donated to um, a harm reduction agency for sex workers that was not like the job is not to go out in the street and be like you need to stop doing sex work the job was more like okay so if you're gonna do sex work and not like women's empowerment i choose who i'm talking about walking the streets at night for drug sex work um if this is what you're gonna do let me make sure you have condoms. Let me make sure that you have a safe place to be. Let me make sure that you have clean needles. Let me take your take your needles from you and give you clean ones. Let me, like, I, I know that today I can't tell you get in this van and let's stop this. But what I can do is keep you from, keep you from some of the worst parts of, of the effects of what this is. And I think that, so that's what, like, I mean, I guess that's the whole thing about harm reduction. And so Liz is going to talk really well about this, you as obviously. But, like, most people don't 
know much about harm reduction and I'm not like, and don't even know what it is and, and, and think it's bullshit and think that like the only way to do anything is to abstain, I guess. I'm not like, that's what I think most people think because that's what is popular in culture about addiction and recovery. But like, I don't really blame them because I don't know. Why would they know about it? (laughs) Why would they know about it? (laughs) Um, I don't, a lot of people talk to me about fostering and adoption as if like there are all these magical cures and like one and like just being adopted changes all your trauma and all your, that's not true. But why would they fucking know? Why, how would they know? I'm babbling. I, I'm just sad about Demi because I'm like, what's the answer here? I don't fucking know. I don't fucking know. I just want her to be okay. I don't, I don't, and not just because I lust after her, but also because I think it's sad. Uh, when she talked about, um, I guess the guy who was selling her drugs, I don't know if it was her original drug dealer because she, she talks about her a drug dealer from six years ago uh, coming back in her life, but I don't know if that, the person she's speaking about is that person. But I guess the night she OD'd, she, I don't know how to phrase this. Uh, The hospital, when she woke up, asked her if she'd had consensual sex. Um, And she said yes, because she had a flash of him being on top of her. And it took weeks for her to kind of, you know, she's got all these, she couldn't see, she, organ failures, like all this shit was happening. And as she had more time to like, think about the situation she said she honestly thought more about the fact that like I was not in a position to consent and I was like no you were over you were blackout you were over like I don't think you were in a position to consent either and then she does this like very familiar tough girl um thing about talking about how I own my own I own my own decisions and ultimately the responsibility is on me which is like who you trying to fool girl I've I've done that a million times that's code for something bad has happened to me and I can keep I can keep control over it by saying that I made the decision this is on me and but if because if I don't say that then I am a victim and vulnerable and like so instead I'll just be like actually you know this is all on me as if I made that decision like I don't know it was hard for me like I'm triggered intensely by people not excuse me by people finding out that they've been raped okay I'm triggered intensely by that it's one of the reasons like I had to leave the internet for a couple days over um Mackenzie Phillips. Um, Mackenzie Phillips is the daughter of John Phillips, and he was in, he was a singer in the Mamas and the Papas, which was a popular band, I guess, the sixties. And Mackenzie Phillips became a child actor in the seventies. And her father was an, a huge, huge fucking drug addict, and so was Mackenzie Phillips. And they had a incestuous, sexual, incestuous sexual relationship as adult as when she was an adult and 
she came out with a book about this. I don't know if you guys remember this. She came out with a book about that I absolutely fucking read. And she talks about how the well, even though she talks about the first time, it is a rape. The first time she talks about having sex with her father. Also, he has been neglectful and emotionally abusive. I don't know physically. I don't remember that part if she's physically, but like all her life, like leaving the country for several weeks. Like she's doing drugs. She's doing fucking quaaludes in like fucking middle school. Like using drugs with her as a child. Uh, all kinds of. I I don't I like I'm not gonna sit here and like redo this book, but like. When I read that book, the way Mackenzie Phillips was spinning it was like, we had a consensual sexual relationship, me and my father. And she did talk about, like, they were both, like, fucked up on drugs all the fucking time. Like, like really fucked up. But she was, all her interviews at the time was like, this was a, this was a thing that happened. No, it wasn't good, but it was a thing. And we made the decision, like, and I remember the time her doing all those interviews, me being like, girl, like, I don't know that that was a consent. That's first of all, it's incest has power dynamic problems. Even if you guys are like brother and sister, also that was your father. Also, all of the abuse. Like, I think you were raped and continually raped. And but like that's not what Mackenzie Phillips was saying. And I like, I don't know. I didn't think about Mackenzie Phillips a lot afterwards. I just like I felt like she was being raped, but she was telling us all that she was not. Fast forward to maybe twenty seventeen, maybe. And I'm in the old EBP um, Facebook group, rest in peace. And um, it might have been Liz. It might because this might have when I first met Liz. Some it was of some people that were talking about it, and I was like, you know, I was like, I like definitely feel like she's been raped, but she hasn't been categorizing it as rape. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable talking about it that way if she's not, com- if she's not, like, I'm not here to tell people they've been raped. Like, that's not something I'm looking forward to. And they were like, no, no, no. She's been doing more interviews. She realizes that, like, she realized this is not, like, some funny consensual story that she's telling. And, like, I had to leave the internet for the day because I just thought about, like, her just, like, maybe she, I hope she was in therapy. I, I just realized that her, like, realizing she'd been raped like that is very triggering me to somebody not knowing one of the reasons like um there's an intervention episode that's actually very interesting but i'm not gonna do it in this series it's lana and she was she's an alcoholic and not like she doesn't have alcohol issues she doesn't have a, a bad relationship with alcohol she is an alcoholic she you know my understanding is that most detox from drugs do do not kill you like, you feel terrible and you feel like you're gonna die, especially for things like heroin and stuff. But for, but if you did die, it wouldn't be because you don't have the drugs in your system anymore. It's more like you, you could die of like, uh, you look like you're gonna die. And if you did die, it would be like of, um, what is it? Dehydration or like, Something else that will be related to your, you know, you being sick and detox, but not necessarily detox. But that's, my understanding is that's not what it is for alcohol, that like, DTs are a real fucking thing, and that if you are an alcoholic like that, like just stopping alcohol could fucking kill you. And like, Lana is there, and she's so little, I mean, she probably weighs 90 fucking pounds. She just, she's like, 
she's a functioning alcoholic. She does work a waitress job. She sleeps on a mattress in a room she rents, and she just drinks all the time. But the reason I cannot, like, revisit that is because at some point, Lana is contacted by the police because they have arrested someone who has been raping girls and videotaping it. And there's a videotape of him raping her, like hitting her, like she's unconscious during most of it. And like, she has no memory of it. Like if they had not, this is, I haven't seen, since the first time I watched the episode, I have not fucking seen it again. So maybe I'm remembering different, but my understanding is that if they had not come to her and been like, there is a video of you being raped. She, like, that's how fucked up. Like, she's blackout all the time. That's how fucked up it is that she would not know she'd been raped. And there is something incredibly triggering and traumatizing about the idea of, like, some not only being sexually assaulted, and but someone having to be like, hey, did you know that this happened to you? I know you don't know anything about it, but this, but, uh, I know you have no memory, but let me let you know that this terrible thing happened to you. I know that's not the same as Mackenzie Phillips. Um, I, I know that's not the same as Mackenzie Phillips. I, I understand that. Um, but back to the Demi stuff, like that, when we got to that part and she's all like, you know, I accept my responsibility, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Demi, this is all Swahili for, and even the way she said it, she was all like, I was taken advantage of. And at first, the way she was talking about it, I was like, did he like steal money from you? Did he, at the most, I was like, is she about to say that he like took naked pictures, like like took pictures of her passed out? Like, what is he saying? What is she saying? Um, but apparently this person brought her the drugs. They did the drugs. I'm assuming they did had sex with her and left her to die there. <sighs> I don't know. I'm sad about it. And you know, I've just spent like 25 minutes talking about Demi Lovato. So I'm going to stop talking about Demi Lovato. And my hope is that I'm going to watch the second half and I'm going to be confident. Not like, like I'm her mom or like, I'm like, or like I have like skin in the game here, but I just want to watch the second half and like be confident that she's in a good place. But I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think I'm going to continue to be sad. I just want nice things for her. That's all. I just want her to be okay. And I don't know what okay looks like. And I don't have a lot of opinions on the fact that she's not completely sober. I, I don't know if that's going to work, but like, I'm doubtful that's going to work. But if it works enough, to keep her alive, I think that's fine. I don't know. I just want her to be okay. That's all. I don't want to have to like get on Twitter one day and find out Demi Lovato's dead. She's been. It's just sad. She's been fucking struggling with drugs. She was like fucking middle school girl. That's sad. Nobody should have to live like that. Ugh. <laughs> So now I've darked everybody out. <laughs> I um, chose an intervention episode that it to me is not as like dark and it's not as like hopeless and it's not as like me sitting up at night going, I wonder if that guy's okay because that was some shit we watched. Um, 
let me just remember which one it is actually by remember i mean pull up my notes app <laughs> it's tim uh it's season two episode 16 i picked this one because and i apologize i don't have the episode number when intervention did like kind of a look back at intervention where they did interviews with production and crew um the producer that has to step in in this one was in, was it was interesting to me because I talked about this when I did um, Liz's podcast on um, Christy right so Christy uh, everybody knows an episode if you know you know and it was on her patreon I talked about how you're just on like a crew a camera crew or a production crew or whatever and even if you know you're doing intervention, even if it's like clear that what the type of things you're going to be filming and stuff, imagine you just like show up to work and you guys are gathering outside of Christie's house and then you go in there and it's just like trash everywhere and she's naked and throwing like liquor bottles and eating ramen and screaming. She's going to do what the fuck I want. That's what the government does. And it's begging you for alcohol money. Like, I <laughs> and she's written all these deep shit on the walls the her art and shit and it's just like i'm not using this word lightly real crazy talk like real like i don't know if the person who put these words together is in a sane mental space you know um and just like dancing naked to like music on her little like imagine you just you're like what (laughs) <laughs> because you, even if you know you're working on an intervention, you could be filming someone quietly injecting meth or, you know, and talking about their childhood and how they feel and stuff. Or you could be filming Christy running around naked and tussling with her sister. <laughs> it's like, and I just, like, first of all, I, I would be let go because the moment we walk up the door, I was like, uh-uh, I didn't sign up for hoarders. No, 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 I can't go in there. Uh, do y'all have like uh, a hazmat suit? What's in there? No, 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 no. Just like that looks like human feces over there. I can't. No, ma'am. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I need to call. Like, is there a manager? Is there an HR I can contact? Is there another shoot going on? Maybe I can go over there. I'll be happy to film the one where the lady's drinking and crying about her babies. I'll do that. But I can't come in this place. I can't physically put my body in this place. Where are her eyebrows? Why are her eyebrows looking like that? Like, I couldn't. No, ma'am. Mm-mm. <laughs> so, so, like, but, oh, so the reason I'm thinking about that is because I found it really interesting when we're talking to crew. They talked to the interventionist about some of their moments on the show. And, again, I apologize. I don't, know how the, I don't have the episode number. But I just thought it was, like, really interesting. And so, and he, and I remember watching this episode in real time. And I rem- and then I, seeing that producer be like, okay. I did not know I was going to be in a sewer pipe that day. <laughs> like, I, but <laughs> that's what was going on, you know? <laughs> anyway, so this is, and so I want to talk about this episode. I'm really excited about it and I'm glad I'm getting to do it. And I'm glad it's not one that's going to make me feel like it's going to trigger me with like, you know, real, real, real sad shit. So again, this episode is episode, season two, episode 16. It's filmed in 2006, so it's one of the earlier episodes. Everyone looks very 2006 in it, um, very Florida 2006. Like, I was not surprised by it. Um, 
So they live around Jacksonville. Like, you know, you know, there's like 50 little places, like little cities around there. So uh, that's the area they live in. Tim is, Tim, they don't really say Tim's age, but my understanding is that Tim is like 26 or 27 in this. And he's he's from Florida. He can play the piano, drums, guitar, the bass. I mean, he plays instrument on instrument. We see him playing the drums with his mouth open. And he's like rocking his head back and forth. And I wish you guys could see me because I'm doing it. I'm like, ah, yeah, I'm being the drums. And he, you know what he looks like? He looks like, he looks like a level of happy that I call the white people at the end of uh, Footloose. And I've talked about this on the podcast before. But I measure my happiness by how close I am to the white people at the end of Footloose when they're dancing. And not this remake, because I watched this remake and I didn't like it. They did some crumping in there. I wasn't into that. I, I was like, which one of y'all saw the America's Next Top Model episode when they were crumping and was like, let's put this in the Footloose, the remake. <laughs> you know, I love that song. What is it? Let's hear it for the boy. I love that song. It's basically like, my boo is horrible. He's cheap. He ain't got no moves. He ain't got no swag. He can't do shit. But let's clap for him anyway. I mean, it's basically every pick me on fucking Twitter there is. But <laughs> I love, in the original, I love the Chris Penn montage where, <laughs> where he's learning how to dance and Kevin Bacon is teaching him. I, to that song, I love that fucking montage. I'm not, so I'm not here to shit on Footloose, okay? I'm not here to shit on Footloose. I just want to talk about the fact that at the end of Footloose, those white people dancing look so happy. Girl, <laughs> I've never been that fucking happy in my life. I hope one day I'm as happy as those people. And so what he so when he's when um Tim is like doing his mouth and like rocking his body, I was like, oh look at you. You could have fit in at the end of Footloose. Look at you all happy. Okay, cute. And so <laughs> So basically, Tim plays, writes, and scores music. He's really good at it. He's a producer. He's dating a singer named Madison with a Y. That tells you all you need to know about Madison. <laughs> I'll tell you more about Madison. She's a very beautiful and a prom queen 2006 kind of way. She is absolutely... She is absolutely, like, cute in her, like flip-flops and big belts and a tank t layered tank top with like Abercrombie jeans I don't know what those are I could never fit in that stuff they don't they don't make plus size so I don't so I'm assuming that's what she looks like she looks like she could be on the set of the hills at that time she looks like not the hill excuse me I'm, I'm so sorry Laguna Beach she looks like that that's what she looks like to me uh and she is very very pretty and keep in mind, though, that I, that I live in 2021, where pretty, I'm Instagram. I'm thinking Instagram, internet pretty. So she looks a lot different than that. And her eyebrows are commas. So, <laughs> but for 20, 2006, she's definitely cute. I actually tried to look up some updates and stuff. And I fell on some, like, message boards on, like, a Honda engine site where people were just, like, I don't know, making a lot of fun of Tim and saying they were going to fuck the dog shit out of Madison. And I was like, is this where I want to be? Is this where I want to be? And so, 
All right, so Tim's a crack addict. That's what he is, which is I always enjoy watching interventions with crack addicts that are white and not black because people assume, you know, uh, that crack is a black drug. And, uh, I mean, I think it's one of the first things people assume about it. It's why, it's one of the reasons why. Like, what you think about with crack versus cocaine, which is the same thing in a different form. Like, when I think of cocaine, I think of, like, really glamorous people, skinny people, like, partying, like, out and about. You know what? Cocaine has, like, a a party connotation to it, and that's probably left over from, like, the 70s, you know? And crack is an 80s thing. Um, And, like... It's very, it's, it's, the connotation is more black, more poor, more, you know, like if you want to like talk more about like crack cocaine and its introduction to the black communities and how that was funded, how that is connected to the Iran Contra, uh, affair, you know, such a, such an elegant word, like phrase for what actually fucking happened and Oliver North and Free Ray Rick Ross not Rick Ross, Freeway Ricky Ross, like the actual drug dealer. Cause you guys know Rick Ross is, uses that name. You know, Rick Ross isn't like the real Rick Ross, right? Rick Ross, the very large rapper from Miami. That's not, that's not the real Rick, Ricky Ross. And, but if you want to, like, if you want to get more about like how these things all connect and how it led to like, a decades long, like more than a decade, probably a decade and a half long, like crack hold on the black community. Like, like guys, the Iran-Contra affair is the reason black people born in the 80s don't have fathers. And a lot of them don't have mothers either because crack like ripped fucking through. Like, anyway, if you want to learn more about that, you guys should absolutely... Um, learn more about Freeway Ricky Ross because his story is so fucking interesting. And like, you know, there are lots of sliding door moments in his life where he could have like gone to USC on a tennis scholarship, but like he confided in like his coach that he couldn't read and hadn't been able to read the entire time. And like instead started selling drugs and invented, like pretty much invented crack cocaine. Like, Super interesting. I've listened to a lot of podcasts. I mean, there's a podcast episode. Like, so think of those scripted podcasts, the ones where they basically do a lot of research from books and from interviews and stuff, compile a script, and then somebody reads it. Podcast has a podcast called Kingpins where they talk about, like, um, major figures in crime, organized crime, drugs, uh, cartels, that sort of thing. Their episode on Ricky Ross is great. I think he's also got a book. I haven't read it, though. Or maybe he's just working on a book. I'm not sure. Um, and Wondery, even though I'm mad at him still, Wondery did a series on the Iran, the Iran-Contra affair. And the, maybe they did a separate series on Oliver North. I'm not sure. But, like, both both of those things are really good. Um... I mean, it's listening to those are essentially like listening to somebody read you a, a report, <laughs> like an article, like a, about it, like a informative article. But yeah, if you guys get a chance, dig into Free Ray Ricky Ross because 
Like all the things you think about crack versus cocaine have a lot to do with his story. Anyway, I'm off topic. But like I said, I love like when I do episodes or when I, when we're talking about uh, white crack users because they are not as rare as people want you to think. Um, he's been addicted for 18 months, which seems like not a long time, but like, let me check myself because like, as someone who just like, just wallows in filth of like drugs and, and dark stories and shit, I'm like 18 months, girl, you're still a baby. <laughs> I'm still used to being like, I've been using meth for 25 years, <laughs> but, um, that, you know, that's just me being like jaded. Um. He's a binger, which I think probably, probably would a lot of crack users would be in that, in that, um, in that category because my understanding, I could be wrong. If you come for me, remember, I will hide. Um, if, um, my understanding is that the high from crack is like that. It's not something that lasts very long. And so like you have to do hits to keep the high going. It's like, psh, and then gone. Um, and so like, I think what that means is that like a lot of people when they're smoking crack, they're, they're continuously smoking crack for like a long, for hours. Like, but it's not something you, it's not like, like obviously there are people who do crack every day, but it makes sense that he's doing crack every 20 minutes for like three days at a time and then maybe he goes a week or maybe he goes two days or whatever and then he, then it's like another binge it makes sense that that's how it goes um so madison and tim are fighting about the crack he's a producer and a drummer in her band um they have a performance for 1400 people and again let me check myself because i was like 1400 people that's it knowing damn well that i would shit myself i had to do anything in front of 1400 people but um it makes more sense why it's 1,400 people when we get to it. Um, he wants to do another hit. She doesn't want him to. He says he'll give her the pipe before he does it, but that doesn't really make sense. I think he was trying to say, I'll give you the rest of my crack before I do this last hit, so then it's just going to be gone. Um, Madison is crying, and she says that if he dies, she doesn't want that on her, so she doesn't want to be like, do it one more time, and then let's get to work, because... She doesn't want his death on her. And she's very much like an episode of Everwood, which, you know, if you know what I mean, like, I'm not, I never watched that show, but you understand, like, there's a monologue of some sort where someone's crying. It's like, I can't get that death on me. I want for you. Like, you know. So Tim's parents kicked him out about a month ago and he's been, he moved in with Madison and her family. And he's going through three, $400 a day, maybe $1,000 every three days. Um... Her parents are very much concerned about Tim, but I think, and he, her father later says this, it's not like, like Madison is very much bonded to emotionally connected to this man. Like she is hurt when he is hurt. There, she's codependent, right? Um, you know, she feels like, <laughs> this is terrible, but she feels exactly how I feel about my husband. Like, I don't want him to be unhappy a day in his life. Like, do I hate him? Yeah. Like he, I just found out yesterday, I, was, I had to be on a 12 foot ladder. And so I'm at the top of the ladder and I just turned my head and suddenly have like a view of an, a cabinet that I don't normally, I can't see him cause I'm short. And this motherfucker had an Oreo stash up there. 
an Oreo stash. Yeah. And did I move my 12-foot ladder to go get that Oreo stash? Yes, I did, and I ate some. <laughs> but, but, like, so, yeah, I hate him. <laughs> but also, like, I cannot take him being unhappy. Like, him truly unhappy, like, my mood will depend on whether he's happy or not. And it's fortunate he's a very, like, he's a pretty happy person in general. But, it, but like, there have been incidents where he told me he felt disrespected or he felt like somebody was treating him like a loser or talked to him a certain way. And my immediate, and I'm like, okay, well, where are, where is that person? Where is it? Like drive me to that person right now. I'll fuck him up. <laughs> or like, if I feel like he's like intensely disappointed by something that he's been trying and it's not working, like I want to fix it for him. Like, obviously <laughs> by these, by these markers, we are in a codependent relationship. Maybe we are. But I, like, what I'm saying is game recognized game, Madison. I see you in a codependent relationship. Um, and her parents are basically, like, they love Madison very much. And by separating from Tam, that it would hurt Madison. And that, that's why he's in their lives. Um, they're very close to her. Tim's parents were musicians and worked at the same club for 28 years and were gone every night from 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. Tim says, I wonder, I wonder what kind of club they were making music in for 30 years. Um, Tim says he had a really happy childhood. Nothing about his childhood makes him sad. Um, he started playing music as a small child and be able to pick up new instruments. He'd just be like, okay, now I'll try the saxophone. Oh, shit, I can play the saxophone. Let me try. Like, he just... He's musically inclined and it's easy for him to learn things and he's got a good ear and, you know. At about 13, he started showing signs of OCD though. He was, he, he'd be walking back and forth in the same spot all day, tying his shoes over and over again. Like, I think, I think we're better about this now, but I think people, when we talk about OCD, they think OCD is a need to clean things, which is, not true. OCD is about intrusive thoughts. Okay. Um, often things like, like if you, like if, so let's say it does have something, cause some, not everybody's OCD has something to do with cleaning, but let's say yours does, uh, it has something to do with cleaning. It would be like intense intrusive thoughts that like your mother would die if the, if your kitchen isn't clean very specifically and it's not a sense of pride or joy it's a sense of fear it tortures you like it's like the way people pop culture talks about OCD is just like someone being like really anal about things but and being anal about things is a part of OCD because you have intrusive thoughts that if you do not do things certain ways like these your um rituals are keeping you safe or keeping the bad things from happening um, and so like, and it's, and, and it feels like it's never, it's never ending. It feels like, it feels like there's a hole in the dam and you're plugging it with your finger. Like there's intense anxiety around this stuff. Like people with OCD aren't smug about their rituals. They're not like, yeah, because you know, I, um, clean my bathroom really well. You know, my bathroom's clean and you know, look how beautiful it is. That's not. That's not what, it, there, there are some 
categories of disorder that have like to do with that, but that's not what OCD is like. And so OCD can really just be about flipping a certain, um, a certain, like flipping uh, light switches in your house, like obsessively because of the anxiety or um, it could be about picking, like people with OCD sometimes pick at face, their faces and stuff. It's just the anxiety, the intrusive thoughts, the, the um, it's, it's can be terrifying. Um, and so his OCD went untreated for like two years, which also, you know what? Now I'm talking about OCD. One of my favorite fucking shows in the world, and I might restart it again, it's called Monk. It used to be on USA. You guys know I know you 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 know I love a USA dramedy. And, and it stars I forgot his fucking name. Stars the guy who played the Italian mechanic on um Wings. Another show I'll watch over and over again. I'm corny, guys. Get into it. I was actually watching a Big Bang episode last night and Bob Newhart was on it. You guys know I love me some fucking Bob Newhart. Dun, 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 dun. I love Bob Newhart. I, I watched Bob Newhart show. I watched Newhart. And if somebody could tell me where I can hit a link, I will watch Bob. I love fucking, I love how he's a straight man. He looks like a fucking turtle. He looks like a turtle without the shell. I love how he just like, it's very dry. And that episode, he's on a couple of episodes of the Big Bang Theory. But the episode where he is interacting with Sheldon and is basically, there's one where he's a ghost and it's like, let me rest. Like, this is not what I thought the afterlife was going to be. He is so fucking funny. And just the faces he makes, great, great, great. Why am I talking about this? Oh, I'm talking about how I'm corny. And one of my favorite show episodes is Monk. And Adrian Monk is a detective who has been relieved of his duties because of his OCD. His OCD has prevented him from, like, he's, he's an excellent detective because of his attention to detail and stuff. But his OCD prevents him from like doing his job because he needs to touch every parking meter that he goes by. He needs like there, he has all these rituals he must do. But I mean, you can't be a detective chasing down bad guys and you got to make sure that you that you make an even amount of steps. So even though I love this show, it's obvious <laughs> that. They did not have a consultant on OCD. <laughs> or maybe they had one, but like for two episodes. I don't know. The, the The version of OCD that they present is, I mean, it's a it's a fucking comedy. They have to, like, they're taking a lot of liberties with it. They, you know. So, so it's not a good show to watch if you want to know more about OCD. But it is a good show to watch if you can tell your brain, okay, I know this is incorrect and false, but... I would like to laugh about Monk going undercover in a big box store and becoming an employee of the month because he's making sure everything's straight on the shelves. I would like to watch that. And I'm going to like also separate this from what actual OCD is because that's not it. Um, I don't know why I was talking about that. I think I just want to talk about Monk. That sounds like me. Sharona, Natalie, I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I can't believe I love it so much. Oh, and Jan from The Office is his dead wife, Trudy, who <laughs> he does everything. Oh, my goodness. One time he finds a baby. That was a good episode. <laughs> oh, and also Monk is incredibly cheap. Um, he, uh, you know, he don't want to pay anybody. 
<laughs> he don't want to reimburse his assistants for re expenses and shit. I mean, he's not a nice person, to be honest. But part of what the reason I really like it is that it's procedural. And procedurals make me feel safe because I kind of know what's going to happen in the episode. That's why I like sitcoms. I also am like big into like mysteries. I really like of like a cozy mystery and all these procedurals are basically cozy mysteries. So back to Tim. Um, Tim is 15 when he starts getting um, treatment for the OCD. Uh, essentially he's, he got on Prozac and you know, again, like I just said, OCD makes you feel like you're, you must do these things. You, you have no choice. Um, and when he got on the Prozac, he felt free um, from like all his rituals and they call it something else. Um, it's not requirements, but it's something, it's, it's like your thing on OCD. And so he felt like, you know, like OCD could be you being forced to masturbate nine times before bed and you must be, and you must masturbate nine times before bed or you or these intrusive thoughts tell you that you will die in your sleep. Like, and you believe them and they are truth and they, they are, you cannot let, the, you can't let these things not, you can't logic the shit away. You must. And even if you masturbate seven times, I'm thinking about Lena, Lena Dunham talking about this. Even if you masturbate seven times before you go to sleep and you don't do the nine and you live through the night, it's not like, proof right so your brain doesn't go oh well, actually i didn't die so everything's fine your brain goes actually that was a fluke i'll definitely die tonight like it, it's difficult but like um tim feels free once he takes the prozac and um he just was like his parents weren't around much and he just was like i'm gonna live life to the fullest i've been like stuck and now I can do whatever I want. And whatever he wanted was weed and LSD. I'm so interested in people who are like in high school using um, LSD and, and psychedelics and stuff. I don't, <laughs> I'm just so interested in that. I don't know why. Uh, Soleil Moon Fry, I've been watching the remake of, of reboot of Punky Brewster. Why? I don't know. My kids liked it. It's fine. It wasn't terrible. I mean, I there are a lot of touchstone touch points in it, like memory stuff that I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember that. She's a maniac, maniac. Like I remember that. <laughs> I don't. I think Soleil Moon Fry and I are about the same age. So when I was watching Punky Bruce, I was probably like seven or eight years old. I don't remember. I, I've seen like videos of older Punky Bruce, but I don't remember watching Punky Bruce when she was older. So I don't remember that. Um, I remember the cartoon, but not that other stuff. So, why am I saying, talking about, oh, Soleil Moon Fry. She, like, she was taking videos and saving answer machine, answering machine messages and taking pictures and doing stuff like that before we, like, that's all we do now. Like, our iClouds, our, um, our Instagrams, our Facebooks, it's just a collection of memories that we brought together. And we don't usually do anything with it. Actually, I just went through my iCloud because I needed to, I wanted to like clean it up, some photos in it. And um, um, he, 
like just like you know lots of screenshots lots of me taking a picture of something because I need to either show it to my husband or my mom's looking for it or like like when I got my first shot my COVID vaccine I took a picture of my uh vaccine card not to post it on the internet but to but in case I lost it like so I could be able to show it to some like like here I mean I don't know if they take it but I do stuff like that sometimes I'll take a picture to serve as evidence of something or like um we have a whiteboard on our on our refrigerator and sometimes people put like my husband and sometimes the kids although what you put in like uh shopping shit on the shopping list for you don't have any money (laughs) i mean but like so he'll put like little things that he wants to he wants to make sure i pick up at the grocery store and i'll take a picture before i leave so i was cleaning out like shit like that and i like this one all the way back to 2016 because i think that's when I started having an iPhone, I talked to you guys about that. I got an iPhone because my husband had a brand new pink iPhone that he was going to sell. I don't know how he got it. Don't ask me. Um, maybe he's a grifter. I'm not sure. And maybe his mom gave, I don't remember. He just had a brand new pink iPhone and then he broke his phone, which he frequently does. In fact, he just broke a phone the other day and I don't know if he didn't have insurance or, or maybe he, already broke a phone on the insurance and you only get one a year. I'm not sure. Maybe one every six months. I don't remember. But he was like, I need a new phone. So I'm going to go down to T-Mobile and spend $600 on a new phone. I was like, oh my God, why would you do that? Use that fucking pink iPhone you have. And he's like, is the rose gold? You know what I'm talking about? So I don't know which number. Was it seven, six? I don't, I think it was seven. Um, so it was a big one too. So, um, he was like, no, I can't use a pink phone. I was like, what in the heteronormative hell? We will put a cover on the pitch and you just use it. He's like, I can't use a pink phone. So I need to go spend $600. And I was like, absolutely not. Give me that fucking pink phone. Take my, I don't know what I had. I had a, a Galaxy 10. Was it a 10? No, it could have been a 10. I don't know. I had a Galaxy something. A Note maybe? I don't know. And I was like, here, no, no, no. I will I will, you know, clear, you know, reset this phone and give it to you and you give me that phone because I'm not going to let you spend $600 buying a fucking phone. Not going to do it. And that's how I started having an iPhone. So my, I think my, my iCloud goes back to 2016. So, um, that was, why did I tell that story? For no fucking reason. So, so I was all the way back there and I found screenshots from, just screenshot, like, I I was like, why am I screenshotting this? For I used to be on fucking Facebook and stuff, and a guy in the old EBP Facebook group, I was asleep, like, a lot of shit used to happen in that group when I was asleep, because, I don't know, I can't stay up all night. I'm not young you like y'all. I got all these fucking kids, I got a job, I gotta do stuff. So I gotta go to bed. And I was asleep, and when I woke up, I just had all these fucking notifications from Facebook, and it was like, and... It was a picture of Tori Spelling and it said, and it was like an antidote about how he was in an acting class one time and the, the act, the instructor was basically like Tori Spelling is a dumb bitch and ugly and got where she was by being a, by her parents. I don't like, that's random to just be talking to just be, I mean, that's people say that shit about her all the time, but, uh, it's random. And so, and he's like, and I cursed her out and the moral of the story is don't be a dumb bitch. Liz Bentley. <laughs> and it was like, you, I don't 
don't know who you think you are. How dare you say these things? How dare you say anything? And I, and again, this had nothing. I wasn't tagged in. Liz was tagged in it, but I was tagging a lot of comments under it. Cause I was like, what the fuck? And it's the, the last line was like, I know you and your princess friend, by the way, I only know he's talking about me because the princess is capitalized because a princess friend, that could be anybody. That could be those people that dress up at Disney. I don't know. And so, but your princess friend have a lot of fans, but I'm not one of them. And I was like, oh, me and Liz are friends. Like I, I it was so old. It was like for fucking 2017. I think that's, I guess I've been on her show once or twice. And I was like, oh, are me and Liz friends? Wow. Okay, me and Liz are friends. And I posted it on Twitter because I was like, throwback. <laughs> but I found a lot of like things there. Why am I talking about this? Oh, Soleil Moufry. Soleil Moufry, like she kept things like that and she constantly videoed herself in a way that we do now that people didn't do in the 90s. And again, why am I talking about this? Oh, okay. So, you know, she, I, she, um, she would just talk about the drugs she was doing and stuff while also doing anti-drug like, uh, events. And, um, is that like surprising to anybody? I always feel like anytime I see somebody with the, like a anti, especially like a teenager or, or a very young person, like I didn't think Nancy Reagan was doing drugs. So she was like, just say no. I didn't think that, but like, I don't know. Didn't she have uh, Gary Coleman? Next? I was like, Gary Coleman was high next to you. I don't know. I just feel like any, almost anytime I see someone like advocating against drugs somewhere, I'm like, oh, they're probably high. They probably use drugs. They're just, you know, it's a gig. It's, they agreed to come to this event. Like, <laughs> so anyway, there, this is, how many tangents have I been on? To just to say this one fucking thing. Soleil Moonfry like videoed herself doing like psychedelics like laying in a field doing psychedelics. And I don't know, I just find it so surprising. I don't, I don't, I don't know why I do. It shouldn't be, but I, I just always am like kind of shocked when people were like, yeah, I was 14 and I was like just doing LSD. Whatever, all that to say. <laughs> anyway, by 18 to 21, he started doing crack and was addicted about after about two months. Um, at that point, he really got into his music at like 21 and he stopped. Um, he got signed in a band and he showed us some promo pictures in which he looked like a poor man's Nick Lachey. Uh, the hair, the eyebrows, the dense look on his face. Uh, he was working with Lou per Perlman, which makes sense because he's in Florida. He, you know, Lou per Perlman is the creator of Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. And you should definitely watch that doc on Lou Perlman. Um, if you get a chance, you should go back and watch that. Uh, doc on the Backstreet Boys that they did not too long ago. Because the Backstreet Boys are still together, apparently. They still tour and shit. Um, pretty sure Nick's a rapist, but, you know, I guess he hasn't been charged, and I guess a lot of people don't, don't like, know about that, I guess. But um, they're still touring and shit. And they're still together. Um, that little one, what was the one with the little hole in his heart? I think his name was Brian. He's cousin with the with the Kevin one, I, he's full MAGA, <laughs> but, but what I find, what I love about old Backstreet Boys, and when you look at their first promos, maybe I'll post this at some point, when you look at their first promos, 
Like, Nick is super, Nick's a child. And Kevin is a grown-ass man. Like, Kevin might be Nick's father. And so he's tall, he's got a mustache. We don't know. <laughs> Me and my friend were looking at, like, a really old promo picture of them, like, in black and white. And it, what it looks like is a group of time travelers from different times met up together. Like, <laughs> like one of them came from the wild, well, the old west, like the way they were dressed. One's a child. <laughs> what? One's for the future. They, it looks like, how do these people know each other? <laughs> like, and you know, whenever I see people who don't really, who don't know each other, Oh, who look like they shouldn't know each other around them. My first thought is drugs. <laughs> That's how they know each other. <laughs> what am I talking about? <laughs> um, right, Lou Pearlman. And he was like working with Christina Aguilar's vocal, vocal coach. Like he, he had an opportunity and he was doing a lot of productions, producing and stuff. Um, he had all the work he wanted. He had people lined up to work with him. Um, he had a possibility of like, you know, getting his own deal, like, you know, and that's not unusual, people being producers but actually want their own deal. Kanye West talks about this all the time, about how people were so mad at him because they thought he was keeping beats for himself. <laughs> and they were like, you're not going to be a rapper, <laughs> which is hilarious. But, you know, I have my problems with Kanye, but it, but the fact that, like, calling him an influ influential and, like, very popular rapper is not a problem I have calling like I don't um so how Tim came into Madison's life is her father's looking for a producer to help her with some stuff she'd done some solo stuff and now she's in a band and like at the time he had a lot of work to do and he was getting overwhelmed and he said he went back to crack and within a year he lost his car his home and most of his music equipment I believe that music equipment is expensive and where do you get money from valuable things uh, Madison said she fell in love with him because he was a charismatic person and she's a rescuer. Rescuer. She can't pass a dying animal on the street without picking it up. That's an interesting thing to say, Madison. Not the fact that you're a rescuer. That that tracks, okay? I get it. Um, just the idea of being in a car with Madison and we're like going to the mall and something is dying on the side of the road in Florida. It's hot. Florida, like... Florida is to America as Australia is to the rest of the world. They just got shit down there. Shit you never seen before. Shit to act different. Shit that's big. Like, why is it so big? Why are these bugs so big? Florida is just like, its ecosystem is off the motherfucking chain, okay? And so, <laughs> I'm just imagining riding down the street in Madison and her being like, look at that rare alligator. Let's get out of the car. And me being like, girl, that is dead. That is... She's like, oh, it's still alive. Girl, it's almost dead. Like, that's, stay out of alligator crocodile business, okay? Stay out of alligator business and stay in the car. <laughs> he is minding his business. It is the circle of life. That's on God right now. You you just get in. Like, I can't, <laughs> but I bet, I bet, they didn't show us, but I bet they have like a ton of dogs or whatever. You know, she's like, you know, she's someone who cares about animals a lot. She seems like an animal person. Um, her dad says that they, what he always said is that they, they put up with Tim because Madison's very emotionally attached to him. And she says she can't leave him to die. So now we're back in real time because they do the backstory. Madison is very upset and has walked out, but she comes back 
to Tim and he like they're in a practice place because they were and he's lying on the floor crying saying he's too hot he's gonna die he says that just in case he's gonna die she needs to be nice they do a montage of him saying things like feel my hands they're too hot feel my head it's sweaty I'm forgetting what my name is and she's like well you're remembering what my name is like it's a like I it's very obvious it's a manipulation tactic like you're mad at me so I'm letting you know that like I'm in a bad place I might die things you know um, and Madison says something here, like, I don't know if he can die from crack. Like, like, yeah, you can, you can, you can overdose and die on all kinds of things. So, but what she's saying though, is that when she's mad at him for doing crack and he's over here being like, oh my God, my eyes, blah, 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 blah you know, and she doesn't know if that's a real thing or not, because why would she? Agreed. And so, like, she can't be, to her, she can't, like, what she thinks is that she can't, she needs to stop and, like, take care of him and comfort him because she doesn't know if that's, like, the last moment she'll have with him. Um, so he was supposed to record her song all day um, because, and she, that's what she's there to do with him because they, they have the performance the next day. And my it's for the show, maybe. Maybe she's supposed to, maybe she's doing... Maybe she needs a backing track, you know, for the song. And so, like, she's recording it now so they can play it back underneath her. Um, and after he does his little I'm dying montage, he says he has to pee and goes to smoke crack in the, in the bathroom. Here's the thing. The camera followed him into the bathroom. If he was just pissing, the camera wouldn't follow him in the bathroom. What, what, since when do we get footage of people pissing on intervention? We don't. Um... So, like, there's, a like, a picture of her, I mean, of a little segment where her just sitting there looking at the screen crying while he's in there smoking crack. And then she gets up and yelling at him like he's a child, telling him his behavior is unacceptable. She calls her mom because she wants to talk to her dad on, on the phone, figure out what she should do about it. I'm assuming, I said she called her mom, but I keep forgetting this is 2006. She called the house phone. And so Tim keeps saying, it's fine, it's done. And she's starting to scream because... She, they haven't started. They haven't started. And he keeps telling her, like, like he's gaslighting her. He's being like, no, it's, it's not a big deal. Um, so there's a scene of her crying on her flip phone in her Abercrombie jeans saying, I don't need any help. I'm fine. Bitch, I can relate. <laughs> I mean, again, not with those jeans. I couldn't fit into those. But... <laughs> Uh, the crying conversation where I'm like obviously bawling and like also trying to convince you that I'm fine. <laughs> when with the words I really want to say is that like, like if I were being completely truthful, I'd be like, actually, I'm having a really hard moment right now. I know in the end I'm going to be okay. But right this second, like I could really use some help, whether that be comforting me or or you like coming here and like getting the thing started? Like, if I'm, am I being like, why am I crying? Am I overwhelmed by something? Could you come like start the task so I can like take it from there? You know, could you, these things. But she's like, I'm fine. <laughs> like, oh my God. I've cried just like that on the flip phone. So, <laughs> so they're playing, they're, where they're playing is Wild Adventure, which is my understanding is like an amusement park in Florida. I hate amusement parks. I hate them. 
I'm actually going to take my kids to Disney if we make it through this shit. I'm going to. It's going to cost an arm and a fucking leg. My arms are, my hands going to shake as I swipe that card for those overpriced mouse ears. But I'm going to fucking do it. I'm just going to have to like live through being in an amusement park for a day. Um, I just, I haven't rode rides since I was a teenager. And so I don't know why I would go to the amusement park. I don't want to spend a bunch of money. There's a lot of crowds. There's a lot of waiting in line, especially with children. Why do I want to wait in lines with children who are just like, why can't we get on a ride? And you're like, oh, because everybody else wants to get in a ride. So you got to wait. Like what would I do? And so I don't want to go. But if we make it through this pandemic, I feel like for the most part, my kids have been good and they have been cooperative and they have like, change their whole life without much information about it. And I'd like to do something over the top to say, good job, like doing that because not everybody can do that. My kids aren't having meltdowns, not like I am right now, but my kids aren't having meltdowns. Although I would say that I can tell that they're stressed further than they would normally be. They are following protocol. I mean, of course, when I came back from my COVID, my first shot, my COVID vaccine, they were like, oh, COVID's over. And I'm like, no, not at all. Not in the least. (laughs) <laughs> when are we getting our vaccines? None. Because they're not approved for children. They're just like... <laughs> but I'm saying that they've done... They've been like... Incredibly cooperative. And they didn't have to be. It could have been a whole different way. But yeah, I don't want to be at Wild Adventure or Disney. And so... Her mom... Like... Madison's mom is doing a talking head. She's saying that some... Like before a show, somebody has to be with Tim at all times. One, to make sure he doesn't do drugs. Two to make sure he doesn't wander off and like things like if he's doing drugs in a venue, like here at wild adventure, like if he got caught doing drugs, they would get them kicked out, like stuff like that. Um, so what happens is they have a very nice day at the park before she performs and he's a perfect boyfriend. He's carrying her around. They're kissing, you know, they're doing everything from like, I don't know. They, they just look very happy together. And so the show starts and the computer crashes. Um, it's awkward, but they get it started. And what do they sound like? They sound like Ashley Simpson's first album. Not bad. I mean, I bopped my head, but that's what they sound like. It's 2006. Um, they believe that if it weren't for Tim's addiction, they'd probably be signed by now. After the show, Tim is ready to use. (laughs) And so, like, he's done, like, this is what he had to stay sober for, and now he's ready to use. And so they take him to a hotel to do cracking. You know what? It's a motel. It's a motel when they get there. The addition of hotel and motel is people, well, the connotation of a motel is it's a little seedier. But the, the difference is that for a hotel, you have to walk through a lobby and then go upstairs to your room, right? For a motel your room is accessible from the parking lot. Like you can park in front of your room. And the reason hotels have a less seedy, hotels can be seedy, uh, connotation is that just in the past, like I mean, when I say the past, I mean like a long, like the 30s and the 40s. Like going to a motel, nobody has to see you go into the room. And so more things can happen there. You know what I mean? Um, you don't have to walk, there's no, there's nobody in the lobby and stuff. Like a motel, uh, there's a lot more freedom there. So Madison's upset saying that 
they're going to drop him off and he can't come back. And dad is driving and Tim is screaming and threatening to jump out of the car. Madison is, is like, you acted like you love me all day and now you're leaving me. <sighs> that's manip manipulative. And I mean, I understand why she's saying that, but that's manipulative. Then they get to the hotel and, or the motel and dad is like, um, this looks safe. All sarcastically. Imagine being somebody's daddy. You're in your late 40s, early 50s. You're somebody's daddy, okay? And, and you got to drive your kid and their boyfriend to a motel so they can do crack. And Tim is saying, I don't want to disrespect your parents' house. Um, good. Like, do, please don't come to my house and, like, sit in a room and do crack all fucking day. But also, like, girl, um... <laughs> I'm just imagining like one of my kids needing me to drive them and their significant other and we're dropping the significant other off to do crack. I'd be like, no, no, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to be a part of this. No, get him an Uber, a taxi. Does he have any crack friends that he can help, that could help him out? I don't, I don't want to drive people to their crack appointments. I just don't want to do that. Um, so I cannot relate to this at all. Because I'm like, I'm not doing this. Um, Madison hears her dad say it's not nice looking and she says well when all you do is smoke crack you gotta go where the crack whores are burn so when tim gets out he's trying to say he loves her and she's like go just go nothing you can say will make it any better <laughs> she i swear to god she needs to be on a cw drama she is so good like she's <laughs> I wonder, do, here, this is when I started thinking, like, I wonder if they got paid from that show at Wild Adventure or whatever. And that's why, and now he has some money, you know? So it's like burning a hole in his pocket. In the room, you know, Tim gets in the room, he does crack over and over again. He looks in the camera and says he feels very low and scared. I imagine. So that night in the motel, he got very nervous. Like he started getting paranoid. He thought the police were after him and he flushed $300 worth of drugs. And he's like, not even a minute, 30 seconds, three seconds after I did, I was like, what? <sighs> the dangers of doing crack alone, you know? There's nobody to tackle you before you flush all of it fucking down the toilet over like a delusion. So what he's trying to do the next day they're interviewing is he's trying to get $100 so he can get more drugs. So he calls Madison to get his money. She's holding his money. He gave her his money. Probably they had a conversation like this. Can't believe you got all that money and you're just going to spend it on crack. And he's like, I'm not going to spend it all on crack. Here's, here's money. Here's money. I don't know. Probably half of He probably got paid like $1,000. That's what I'm thinking. Because it makes sense to me. Maybe a little less. No, it makes sense. He got paid like $1,000. He gave half to Madison. He took half of it. He got a motel room. I don't know. What was it was 100 bucks that night and bought crack with the rest and did a lot of crack, but then, but then flushed like 300 of it down the thing. And so now he's trying to get another hundred dollars. That's what I imagine. Um, so he calls her and we can't hear her, but we can hear like, this is early intervention. Like production doesn't have like, best practices in place yet that's like hey actually put her on speakerphone so we can hear her um so we can't hear madison but we can hear him going he's going yes you do yeah you do yes you do yeah you do 
And I, I imagine Madison saying, I don't have your money, which is not true. I don't know. Why would she say that? Like, you obviously, he handed you his money. He, you obviously had, what, what are you, what are you implying? That you lost his money? What are you saying? I, I don't know. I just feel like I would have been like, I'm not giving it to you. You told me not to give it to you. I'm not going to give it to you now. So he calls her a brat and then, then says he's coming to get the money. So he goes to Madison's house and she's not there. Her mom and her, her mom and her went somewhere, but the dad is there. And Tim asks Matt, he's like, well, she's gone. Does she have my money? And dad is like, um, I was taking a nap when this all transpired. So I don't know. (laughs) Again, like imagine being in a position where your daughter's crack addict boyfriend is like up in your house going, have you seen your daughter? Is she got my money? You have to be like, I don't know anything about any money. You know, I was taking a nap. <laughs> I would have been like, get out of my house, Tim. Get out of my house. You're actually not allowed here when Madison isn't here. So get out. <laughs> so Tim calls Madison on the house phone and Madison says, we've left and we're not going to be back for hours. <laughs> and Tim says, he's like, give me my money. Yes, you have my money. I'm going to follow your ass and I'm going to find you. On foot, Tim? They're in a car. What the fuck are you talking about? He asked her why she's being a goddamn bitch. And she tells him to get out of her house. Tim says that if she doesn't come back, he's going to get equipment like computers and stuff. Things that he probably brought with him. Things that belong to him. And music stuff. And he's going to sell them. And she says he better go. Or she's calling the police and saying he's robbing the place. And he's like, robbing the place of my own stuff? And so Madison hangs up and the dad asks him to leave. Cause she's, cause he's like listening the whole time. He's like, you're being a fucking brat. You're kind of like, he's listening. And Tim tells him to kiss his ass. And Tim is trying to get like, there's a Mac desktop. I don't know what that's called. It has the Apple computer thing on the side and it's like translucent. I don't know what that is. Um, I'm, it looks like a desktop, not like a Mac mini. I have a Mac mini, which is like, a little box that is a desktop computer and I love it. It's what my desktop is on. It's and, but this is actually like a real, like, like when you think of a desktop computer, you think of the, the towers. That's what this is. So, uh, Tim and dad get in the altercation. They're arguing. Dad is like, you're insult, you're assaulting me. Cause they're like pushing and pulling the computer. And dad's got one hand on the computer trying to hold it as Tim's like trying to drag it out of the house. Um, and he's calling Madison and mom on that flip phone and tell them to call the police. I was like, man, you did that with one hand on a flip phone. Shit. And so then they argue about who has the receipt <laughs> and who going to have, who it belongs to, who got the receipt for it and where's the receipt, which makes me think of my five-year-old right now. Who's obsessed with receipts. And like, anytime I go somewhere, like even if he's in the car, like I went to go pick up chicken from, um, the name just came out. It's a chicken place here that I really like. Um, and the guy gave me my chicken and my five-year-old monkey was like, did he give you a receipt? And I was like, yeah, he gave me a receipt. He was like, can I see the receipt? And I was like, what are you going to do with it? You can't read. <laughs> He's still in preschool. He hasn't even started kindergarten yet. <laughs> He's like, I, what you want the receipt for? He's like, I like receipts. And I'm like, Fuck it. I gave him a receipt. He's like checking it. <laughs> Make sure I paid a, 
a good amount and I didn't get scammed. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of when I'm watching them going, who's got the receipt? You show me the receipt. If you got the receipt. <laughs> so, um, they pull on this computer and they push back and forth. And they're basically split a tug of war with this fucking computer. And Tim's like, now, Tim's like, now you're assaulting me. <laughs> and he almost mushes dad. Now, do you guys know what a mush is? It's where you, with a finger or like a couple of fingers, or even your whole hand, push the top of somebody's forehead and push their head back. That's a mush. And, you know, it can be aggressive. I mean, you can mush like your brother and it not be that big of a deal. Or you could mush like a classmate and that's a fucking fight. And so, but a mush. And so, but Tim does it to the dad, but he, he does it with one finger and he does it in the dad's like jaw area. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because like, obviously they're tussling over a computer. But they're back and forth. I mean, they're 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 back and forth. And him walking back to dad and mushing him, or like, or I guess it's not a mush because it's not. I, I believe it has to be on your forehead to be a mush. Him going back and like doing that is very aggressive to me. Like somebody mushing me who is not like, uh, I don't know. Like, I guess if my I don't think my husband would do it. But if I did it to my husband, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. And but like. If, I don't know, if like uh, my husband was at work and somebody did it to him, it would be a big, it'd be like, why? This is aggressive. It's physically aggressive. Um, so Tim goes off into the yard because I think dad is on the phone with the police at this point. And what he does is he starts taking apart the computer. Like he taking out the size. He's, I think he's taking out the hard. He's like taking parts out of it. Might be a hard drive. And then he goes back with the pieces and, and gives it back to dad. And it's like, here, take it. And they start getting into it about stand your ground laws, really. Cause dad's like, you assaulted me on this grounds and blah, blah, blah. And I can do, I can defend myself. And like, he's screaming. And I'm like, I like I understand the need the like the temptation to argue with him and to be like I'm gonna give him a piece of my mind and that that sort of stuff and to like prevent him from leaving the house with equipment but also no like I wouldn't like put myself in that position I I hate arguing like that I I'm not someone who argues like for fun because I get too involved in it. And like, if I'm arguing with you, I don't like you. So, <laughs> so like, I can't keep like calm, argue, like especially this, I, I could not. And so I would go in my house and lock the door and call the police and him and that fucking computer could go wherever the fuck they wanted to. I'm not gonna argue about whether or not I have a right to like assault, stand your ground is not that, I'm, I'm being general. Stand your ground is about, um, those, those laws are about whether you can shoot somebody on your property. Um, but like, I'm not going to argue about the legality of what's happening here. I'm not going to get in a physical altercation with you. Um, because once we've gotten to a physical altercation, it's fucking on. Like if I had allowed myself to get in a physical fight with Tim starting in the house, he would like, 
I will be tackling him in the yard. Like we, I would be hitting him there. Like once you've put your hands on me and we're going to fight, like whatever happens, happens at this point. And I know every time I get on this fucking podcast, it sounds like I'm advocating for people to fight. It sounds like I'm, I'm like, I'm a big fighter. I'm not, but I'm not somebody who can turn it on and off. So once you have put me in a position where I have to physically interact with you that way, I'm not someone who can just be like, okay, now I'm done. No, I'm not. Now we're rolling around on this fucking grass. I'm going to fucking punch you in the side of your head. And and this is what we're going to be doing when the cops come. So (laughs) I'm going to kick you. I'm going to pinch you. I'm going to pull your hair. It's on. And it's not off until like the police take us apart or you run away or something. That's Or maybe, I mean, I've never done this when, when I have children. So maybe if one of my kids showed up, I'd be like, oh. I'd stop. I'd be like Cardi B playing WAP when uh, culture runs in. I'd be like, oh, shit. <laughs> Mommy's doing nothing. <laughs> like, maybe I'll be like that. But I know as a rule that, like, I'm not really good at, like, stopping a physical altercation. So, you know, Tim's throwing the pieces of the computer at him. And it's like, take it, steal it. Steal it like you've stolen everything in my life. And I'm like, what? You're stealing from me. It's like, I don't know, man. So dad goes in the house and Tim walks off. And at this point, mom and Madison show up in the car and they're following him. And Madison rolls down the window to give him the money. It's like, here, take your money and go. Take your money and go. Probably this her mom was like, give him the fucking money and, and let him, go, and I don't have him come back. And she's like, you've assaulted my father. You're out of my life. And mom is yelling, take the money, take the money. But, but it takes Tim a lot longer to figure out that it's them. Like, he's still got his head down walking. He's wearing one of those backpacks. Can you remember those fucking backpacks? That, maybe they still make them. But it's like, it's like a messenger bag. Except, it's like a backpack except there's only one strap. And it goes across you like a messenger bag. And, like, I had one in college. But I had to throw it away because I have big titties. And I was like, girl, this is not working. And, but he's wearing that and his flip-flops. And he's walking his head down, talking on his flip phone. And... It takes him a beat longer to realize it's them than it just was awkward because Madison, because he's obviously calling someone and Madison's like, stop calling my phone. Like she's, he's calling Madison and yet Madison and mom are standing there. So Tim says he doesn't want the money. He'd rather die. He stands in front of the car. I mean, he realizes he's in trouble, right? Like this is something hard to come back from. He stands in front of the car and begs the mom to run over him and kill him. And I know she wanted to. And he runs over to the car because she's like, no, take the money and go. Um, And he runs over to the car and starts hitting himself in the head with his fist. And Madison rolls up the window and the mom drives off. He calls Madison and leaves a message saying he needs a razor blade. I don't know if he got the money or not. Did she drop it? Did she pull it back in? Because what happens next, if he got the money, like I'm wondering why he didn't just go use but so maybe he didn't he's calling madison leaving a message saying he needs a razor blade he's not gonna live much longer then he throws off his back pack and like he's very manipulative like i'm going to die um he throws off his backpack and runs off into the woods a swamp a marsh i only i only think it's a marsh because closed captioning i watch everything with closed captioning was like like i'm losing my hearing uh my hearing's diminished it's part of the reason I'm, I've always been a loud talker, but it's part of the reason I might sound loud to you because I, it makes, 
I don't know. I, I, I prefer to record loud and let you turn it down than record low and make you turn it up. And like when I hear certain things, I can't really hear. Um, so I'm uh, closed captioning is a thing I, I use regularly. Um, closed captioning is always on all my TVs. It'll probably always be on my kids' TV because they're really used to watching TV with the words to go around. And sometimes they read them instead of the whatever. But so I had closed captioning on it and it said, like, there's these birds, like, whatever, <laughs> all around him. And it, it described that sound as marsh bird calling. I was like, oh, they're in a fucking marsh? I mean, it's Florida. So, I mean, the camera follows him. He's in brown muck. I don't know if that's mud or shit. I don't know what that is. He doesn't have any shoes on. He's just out and he's with his phone. <laughs> with his fucking flip phone. He's crying and shit. Meanwhile, the police come and they sign out the press charges. And I'm like, I get, like, that happens a lot. Also, like, what are you going to prove? And I know people will be like, well, it's going to be on the TV. First of all, they don't know what's going to be on TV show. They're just filming it. Two, a lot of courts will not take um, filming Production companies don't always provide the film. It really depends. And a lot of courts, like a judge can say, I'm not going to allow like that into evidence because I don't know if it's been manipulated. I don't know, like of the way it was obtained, you know, I don't know before this. Cause you know, the bachelor, I don't know before this, you told somebody told him to act like this. And I don't know. I, I don't know. So I understand why they dropped the charges. Cause I mean, who wants to fucking deal with that? And Madison is trying to convince them that it's the drugs. She's like, it's not Tim, it's the drugs. I don't know how long they've been together. But let's say they've been together two years. Because he's been using drugs for 18 months. So I'm going to say they've been together for two years so that I can believe Madison knows what Tim is like off drugs. Now, he's, he's doing, like he'll do three or four days of crack, smoking and then stop so maybe she's referring to the time in between but he's still in an active addiction so you still don't know what a sober tim is like you really don't you know what a not high tim looks like but maybe not a sober tim so i have to assume they've been together for like two years madison's 20 so when she was like 18 her parents were like oh we found this producer for your music and what's he 24 25 and they're and Madison's like I love him. And they're like okay, what? I mean, I guess you can't really like control an eighteen year old. I, my stepkid's nineteen, um, and I'm a firm believer that even though they're not acting like an adult very much right now, they are an adult. They're technically an adult, and there's only so much I can do about certain things. But like, I don't know. When you think about that timeline, and the reason I'm thinking about it is because Madison's acting like she knows Tim very well, and I'm like. I don't know if you know Tim that well. I really don't. Because either you only know Tim while he's in active addiction or you've been with Tim two-ish years and almost all of it he's been in addiction. I don't know. Um, and mom says, it's really not happening, which I understand. Like, I understand the concept Madison is saying that it is like, we are not negotiating with Tim. We're negotiating with the drugs. Like obviously Tim off of drugs doesn't make him a saint, but like drugs have a huge portion, have a huge effect on the reason he's active. 
acting this way. And I understand where mom is coming from, where she's like, it kind of doesn't matter. Like, we don't need to split hairs like that. This is the way he's acting. Like, we can figure out all the reasons and the wherefores and the how-to and all that shit. But the fact is, this is what is happening. So we can either keep doing this shit over and over, feeling sorry for him and making excuses for him, or we can, like, try to move forward and get this, like, craziness out of our life. And... In terms of, like, I agree with her. Like, I want peace in my home. And you can't rest knowing this shit. So. Back in the nasty place, which is where Tim is. He's calling Madison's phone saying he needs her right now. He's gonna die. She's the only one that can talk some sense into him. He is full on manipulating her. Full on fucking manipulating her. Imagine. So. Like, like I said before, being the cameraman that has to be like, wait, what? We got to go in the marsh? I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> being like, uh-uh, I need to speak to my union representative. <laughs> I did not, not on these shoes. These are new. I can't be, mm-mm. Y'all gonna have to call backup because I can't just run out into the marsh like that. Girl, I barely swim. I can't do this. I could die. (laughs) I would be fired because I just like, I'm not going in there with him. I want to be on the Super Nanny production team. I'll go there. I'll film some badass kids. I am not gonna film. I am not gonna. I should do some Super Nanny episodes. Um, Super Nanny's back and looks like an Instagram baddie. <laughs> it's the same lady. She's just like, her makeup is done. You know, she's, I'm sure she's not the one doing it. Her makeup is done like an Instagram baddie. That's all. I was like, oh, I see you out there. Okay. Um, like he's half and half out of a storm drain calling Madison to tell her he wants, she's, she's like, <laughs> he's like, I want my Madison. <laughs> like, and he's on, um, he's on the house phone, on speaker, in front of production. I guess somebody finally said, put that shit on speaker. Oh, for front of production, her family and shit. And she's like, all dry shit. And she's like, well, you've hurt your Madison. And he's like, I want to slip, cut my wrist. I'm like, you're in a, just, how? You're going to cut your wrist. All you have is that flip phone and this storm. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? And, and she's like, um, I uh, wouldn't say to cut your wrist. Like, she's, <laughs> she's essentially Seinfeld at this point. <laughs> I'm like, but how do you react to that? Um, when I get off the phone, Tim crawls through another storm drain. Like, the camera is following him, and he's in the storm drain crawling through it to the other side. And then when they find him, I guess when he's on the other side, he's lying in a fetal position, half in, half out of that nasty water, barefoot crying. And I I want you to know, crying's in quotes. He is doing what my nine-year-old does when he's in trouble. My nine-year-old has meltdowns in which he is upset. But here's the deal, you can't cry. Most people can't cry for 30, 45 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like, eventually you stop crying. And what my nine-year-old does is howls like this. Ooh, ooh, I've messed everything up. Ooh. That's what he's doing. Like, like 
he's subtweeting me. Basically, he's like just saying like, oh, why can't I get things right? I feel so stupid. Ooh, but he's not literally crying because you can only cry for so long. Your body only has so much of that in it. And that's what Tim is doing. Tim is just kind of howling. Um, you know, um, insulting himself. A nine-year-old does that too. He'll be like, I'm stupid. And I'm like, okay, well, I didn't say that. And I don't think you're stupid. In fact, I think right now you're being very uh, smart and manipulative and go in your room with that. I'll talk to you when you, I'll, I can talk to you when you're in a space to talk. And when you feel like you're in a space to talk, come back. Um, that's, that's essentially how, how I handle Tim. Actually, I wouldn't do even do that because I would not be in a storm drain with him. So at this point, Tim has been in a storm drain for like 30 minutes and production has him. This, this is the guy I saw on the episode where they talked about their, their, um, most memorable moments on cast and crew. And so the guy shows up, he's kind of blurred out, but he's giving me big daddy energy. Just his voice, just the way, he just, like, he's somebody's dad. <laughs> he's somebody's boss. Like, you know. <laughs> and so he goes over and he goes, are you going to hurt yourself? <laughs> and Tim's like, I want to die. He's like, don't say that. He's like, listen, are you serious? Because if you're serious, if you're going to hurt yourself, I got to call somebody. I got to call 911, um, which... Also makes sense because I'm sure there's some hard and fast rules about this sort of thing in the you know, on the insurance. Um, if a show can't be insured because they just out here uh, letting people kill themselves on camera, uh, that's the end of the fucking show. And this is a weekly show. This isn't a, a one-off documentary, even though they keep calling it a documentary. I bet it's like something being like, if somebody is... If somebody is threatening to kill themselves, you have to do something. I don't know. I don't know what those type of insurance documents look like, but I am sure this is something related to insurance or to the network being like, actually, please don't let someone kill themselves on camera. Thank you. Um, I used to have a foster that I talked about being like a child. Like I talked about the fact that I've never not had like, suicidal thoughts and that doesn't mean that like I've always had plans but like just being like you know what if I don't get an A on this I'll just kill myself you know like that always being an option okay should I do my homework or should I kill myself you know what if me and my best friend don't make up by Thursday it's fine I can just kill myself this weekend like verbalizing that right so that that verbalization that always verbalization or that thought in the back of my head is not the same as having like um, intense, actionable suicidal ideation, like having a plan, being like, don't worry, I've got a poison. Like it's different, but it's, it's always something that I've always thought about. And my foster kid was like this too, in that he would say it all the time, just casually. Like, you know, if me and my brother get separated, I'll just, I'll have to kill myself. I'd rather be, he'd say stuff like, I'd rather be dead than have to go to an RTC. But the problem is, is because foster care is very regulated by the state. Like, these are not my kids. Even though I treat them like my kids, I think of them like my kids, I don't tell anybody they're in foster care unless somebody, unless I have to. Um, I let the kids tell anybody. Like, if they're just like, this is my foster mom, I'm not like, say mom. But that's not, and that's for them to bring up, not me. I'm not, I don't show up places and be like, hi, I'm looking for pants for my foster son. This isn't my kid. He's a foster, I don't do that. So, 
I say for my son, I'm looking for pants for my son. And, but they aren't my kids. They are wards of the state who want to be indemnified from many things happening. Shit happens to foster kids all the fucking time. So one of the reasons why I'll tell you, if you have a foster kid, you never want to die. You never want a foster kid to die at your home. Like you shouldn't want any kids to die at your home. But if a foster kid dies at your home, bitch, it's a big fucking deal. And I know I'm saying that flippantly, but what I mean is that there are protocols of who you have to call in what order, who has to be reported at what time. There's paperwork to fill out. There, there are uh, formal interviews you must go through. And obviously there's a reason for that, right? Like we need some answers about how this person died. But, and the same thing for my kid in foster, like a foster kid with suicidal thoughts is a big fucking deal. And we need to, and we have to document. So every time he would say something casually, like, and then I'll kill myself. I, even though I didn't think it was true, he didn't have a plan. His therapist was like, I've talked to him about this. I don't think he's actually suicidal. I think that part of it's acting out. Part of it is like, he, this kid has a bleak life. And to part of to him, like knowing that he could just kill himself is like in his back pocket. And it's unfortunate. He's, and she said, that's like, I'll be honest, a lot of the teens I have are like this, but she's like, the unfortunate part is that he verbalizes all the time. And so every time he would say it, I would have to write a report on it. I have to explain what happened, what he said, send it in. And because I had to keep writing this report, they changed his level because, you know, all kids have behaviors and needs in foster care. But if you're someone that we need to be careful about knives, like I had to change how my knives were stored in my home. If I, I, he could definitely not be riding his bike out front by himself because he was talking about thinking about how easy it would be for a truck to hit him and kill him. And like they put in his um, action plan, which is an action plan is just like, I mean, that's all it is. It's an action. It's a plan of action for a foster kid. Like basically what are we like, what are some of the issues we identified? What are we working towards? How much therapy is he getting? What are you going to do if he does this? How are we going to react to that? What is a thing like, okay, so this kid is very introverted and shy, but really likes um, singing in church choir. Okay, princess, I know you don't go to church, but you got to figure out a way to get this kid to a church choir. You, whether he carpools with somebody else, whether you take him and drop him off, whether you start going to church, I really don't care, but this is the a plan of action we've agreed on. So, and then every time we meet, I think it's every quarter that we have these um, action plans, you... I have to tell them what the progress is on the action plan. And if three months go by and we agree that like an important part of this kid's um, culture and life has been going to church choir and I'm still over here being like, girl, I didn't, I didn't find a church to go to. <laughs> They're going to be like, princess, you have to work this plan. The parents have a plan to work. You, the kids have a plan to work. And unfortunately that includes you. So you, we got to do it. And they'll include CASA. They're include like, so anyway, it meant like, also there are rules about how much time, like, what do they call it? It's like how much time you can leave a kid alone, right? So my four-year-old is like, he can be unsupervised in his room for 15 minutes at a time. I have to check on him every 15 minutes. Like a uh, 10-year-old might be 30 minutes. But what happened is that because he, my foster was doing that, they changed my contact to 10 minutes, which means 
he can't really be apart from me. He has to be in the supervision of an adult at all times. So if I'm cooking, he kind of needs to be in the kitchen with me. I can't go watch TV in my room alone. He's got to come in there with me. So like it changed a lot of stuff. And I don't know what I'm talking about. I guess I'm just talking about like, I think we should all do this. I mean, honestly, if somebody told me they were having thoughts of suicide, I would, or that they were thinking about killing themselves today or that they were, I, 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 I would call somebody and I would, and I know some people would be like, oh, well, that makes them feel like they can't trust you. And also some people are doing this for attention and, and maybe if you just hung out with them or whatever, but here's the thing, you're about to get a lot of fucking attention. And I don't, I don't want to not be a trustworthy person. You're right. I don't want to do that to anybody, but also I take the shit seriously. If you tell me, and unlike this foster who was like, you know, just casual, that, that sort of, oh, maybe I'll kill myself type of thing. I meant like, you were telling me you're having a hard time. You're thinking about killing yourself. You thought you expressed a plan of action. I go hard for that. And it's because I will want someone to go hard for me. Like, if we get to the point where I'm, like, verbalizing it to you, we're far, bitch. We're far into it. I'm in danger. If I am, like, telling you that I am keeping, like, an extra prescription pills because when the time is right, like, I'm far into that shit. You got to talk to somebody. You got to call my husband. You should call my mama. (laughs) God, don't call my mom. But if you feel like you have to, you should call my mom. You should call the police. You should, like, you should, you need to get other people involved. And this can't be a secret between me and you. And all that to say that, like, I understand why producers, like, listen, we film a lot of people doing a lot of things. But are you, like, you, you've been saying you want to kill yourself. This is, you've been in the storm pipe for 30 minutes. I'm concerned. Our insurance doesn't cover this. What's going on? Are you serious? Because... I'm going to have to call someone. And, um, you know, Tim, lying in filth with no shoes and a drainage pipe, says, no, I'm not serious. <sighs> and the producer, like I said, he's got major dad vibes, goes, okay, you're shaking like, get out of here. Get <laughs> Very much like, it's time to go home. You got to get out of the sand. We're not doing this anymore. Um, so Candy's the interventionist. I've gotten some feedback on my feelings of Candy being unprofessional. <laughs> Candy's a lot of you guys' favorite interventionist. I think that's fine. She can always be your favorite. If she's crying, I think she's unprofessional. I'm sorry. I know this is a, this is a profession. I think if you get paid, something is a profession. <laughs> I think that if you if you wander the neighborhood cutting lawns for money, there is professionalism. <laughs> yes, we need to investigate that, but we can't right now. So. The intervention is just the family. It's Madison, mom and dad, and then Tim's mom and dad. Tim's parents don't really say anything at this pre-intervention. Um, but they don't look like the swinging music- musicians I thought they'd be. Um, you know, musicians who work at a club. You know what I mean? Like, they look like they sell insurance or pottery or work at an illegal zoo. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. They just seem... I don't know. They seem like that. It's, and the, Madison's family talks about disconnecting from Tim. And Madison's like, I might not be able to do that. She's literally like a little 
with a little pally face. And Candy says, how old are you? <laughs> she, <laughs> how old are you? <laughs> and then, um, you know, Madison's like, I'm 20. And, and Candy looks like she wants to say, girl, I got socks older than you, but that's good that she didn't because that can come off very condescending. Like the fact that she's 20 and young, she doesn't, there are lots of experiences she does not have. Okay. Um, things that she'll look back 20 years later and be like, oh girl, why was I doing that? But it doesn't mean her feelings aren't real. Those are real to her. Those are real fucking feelings. She really thinks this is how you love people. And I'm 40 and I think this is how you love people. I think I'm better with boundaries than that. I think if my husband was like, I think that he and I have a very intertwined relationship. Um, but I also know that if he were using crack, I'd have to cut him loose. If he were using, if he were like a drug addict, I'd have to cut him loose. I would do it and I'd do it for my kids and I'd do it for myself. And, it, and I would not stop loving him. I would still love him intensely. And I probably would bring him to and I'd probably be very involved with his next girlfriend. I'd, I'd basically be Renee from Mob Wives. <laughs> but I would cut him loose for myself. I, you know what? Maybe I'm not in a codependent relationship with my husband because I love him very, very much and would do almost anything for, for him. But I love myself a lot more. And I definitely love these kids more. They're younger than he is and they're actually minors and they're actual children. They're not grown fucking adults. Um, wow. So at the beginning, I was saying one thing at the end of saying another thing, what a roller coaster. <laughs> what I'm saying about Candy talking to Madison is this, is that like, she, she believes this is what she needs to do. And these are real fucking feelings and laughing at her cause she's 20 and stupid is not the way to help her laugh later. You know, and I'm happy Candy didn't do that, but she did tell her, she's like, you look, you, 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 you seem like a 45 year old woman. And she's right. Madison's like essentially Tim's mom. Um, it's not that your feelings aren't real at that age. Your perspective is a little narrow because you don't have a lot of experience to go along with it. Um, and she tells, uh, Candy tells Madison that no matter what, you can't give your life up for somebody else's. I know you love him. I know you want to take care of him, but you cannot give up your own life for him. Um, mom and dad said that like, this is over. Like she doesn't really have a choice anymore. They're putting their foot down in terms of this and that she, they're going to change phone numbers. They will call the police. If he shows up to the property, he's not allowed back and they will not allow this to keep going. Um, Candy then says, you'll understand someday, which is condescending. Don't say that to people. Don't say you'll understand one day. Don't say that. Okay, so Tim was at a hotel then last night. I guess that, I don't know who got him out the pipe. Where did they get, did they go, did they go past uh, Madison's house to get him clothes and shit? And I bought, they bought him a hotel for the night. Um, he seems to have cleaned up. I would hate to be the person, the PA who had to drive him <laughs> from, the, from the swamp <laughs> to the hotel. I would not like to be the maid who has to clean up. The bathtub after you cleaned off the swamp. I, I none of those. Mm -mm, no, they just get rid of that room and start it, like close it up and start new. <laughs> um, when Tim gets to the hotel room, Madison's crying. 
Uh, she doesn't want Tim to be mad at her. She's wearing a metal flower choker, very 2006. And Tim seems surprised. Oh, she suddenly got braces too. Like she got braces in between him being in a marsh and this. That's a that's a that's a good thing to remember, right? When they go to the intervention, it always seems like the next day, but it doesn't have to be the next. Day. It could have been a week later, maybe even two weeks later. Who knows? Um, Tim walks in and seems surprised by them being in this room, but he's not angry like a lot of people. He's not upset like he he he's just like oh how'd they get you here so his mom reads her letter she's afraid for him she doesn't trust him she can't watch him self-destruct she will always be there for him but not with the drugs and she loves him i think it was a great letter i think it all made sense his dad reads his letter saying he can never rest anymore because he's worried about his kid all the time he cries tim ends up hugging and comforting him so he can go on um he says his love is forever but he has to separate his life from tim's for his own sanity it's a definition of boundaries, guys. Remember, boundaries are for you, not the person that's doing the thing. It's so that you can figure out a way to be okay and not be on this roller coaster ride of them and that. And not and find a way to separate from that because it's killing you too. You know what I'm saying? And like for you to move forward and to get better, you you've got to separate yourself from. That's what boundaries are for. Boundaries are not threats, right? Boundaries are not. I'm going to do this, so you better do that. Boundaries are when this thing happens or when you do this thing, I'm going to do this. And that's what I'm going to do to take care of myself. Um, uh, dad also says, uh, Tim's dad also says that Tim is not allowed in his house for any reason. That's interesting to me. So Madison's dad reads his letter. It's very dry. He reads, you know... Madison reads her letter. It sounds like a live journal entry, but that seems to be her personality. Um, Tim says he's got a lot of questions. He says he doesn't want to go to get help and come back to Madison still suffering. I'm like, way to push that on her. Way to project onto her. Like, the reason she's suffering is because of you. And you're being like, well, I can't get help because what if she's still suffering? Come on, man. Candy nips it in the bud. Um, he says that Madison is getting help. Um, Tim talks more about Madison. He needs to understand about the drugs and it's not about the love for her, that it's different. For... And Candy's like, yeah, we've got it. We, we'll get it. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. Are you going to rehab? And so he says he's going to go and Madison is ecstatic and he lifts her up in the air and she says, she's like, she's let him, I've let him hurt me for a long time, but I just, I'm like, okay, Madison, calm down. It's not that, like, I know I've been making fun of Madison. It's just that she feels, she just, you know, and I talked about this, right? I, this is the whole thing I was talking about in Princess Diaries about how as I was not, my vulnerability was not celebrated, was not allowed, was none of those fucking things. And so I don't respect vulnerability as an adult. And I'm just one of these people that's like, okay, what's wrong with you today? Like me and my mom complain all the time. We get on the phone all the time and complain about people who you ask them how they're doing. And then they give you a list of shit. And you're like, bitch, I didn't want to know. <laughs> just say fine. I don't even know you. Don't nobody want to hear a list of shit that's wrong with you every day. And that is us being toxic because like I need to learn to respect people's vulnerabilities. I need to learn to respect people who cry a lot and not see them as weak and not see them as victims. That shit I was talking about with Demi Lovato with the tough girl act, I know from experience because I do the tough girl act and I'll just be like, 
well, you know, actually, you know, all, all my problems are a result or mistakes I've made as if I can control them. Like, and so like, I know I've been picking on Madison and I've enjoyed picking on Madison. She can take it. Her and her comma eyebrows can take it. But also like her being like an open wound at this moment is not wrong. It's makes sense. It's understandable. It's hard. And she's fucking 20 years old. All this and she's 20 years old. It's hard, dude. Um, so he goes to rehab in Arizona. During the intake, they asked him how he's feeling. Does he want to get sober? And he says he doesn't know if he wants to get sober. He feels shitty and he misses his girl. And he says he doesn't know if there's anything to work on, but he'll try. And then he tells us he really rather die than be there. Which to me... Like, I know there are people who be like, oh, he's not grateful for this rehab. He's not. But I'm like, that's a real, what he just said was real. Like, I feel like that's how most people feel. They're like, I don't fucking know. I don't feel good. <laughs> and I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm here. <laughs> um, 45 days in, he's making a video for Madison. We see him giving the tour. He looks better. He has all of these cards and stuff on his nightstand that Madison sent him. He shows her where he goes to group. And, and where he goes to church and he plays music for her that he wrote for her about how he's going to do better for her. So he did 90 days and he moved back in with Madison and then he relapsed and they broke up and he moved in with his parents. Interesting. Um, they moved back in with his parents. Like people, you know, quote unquote bottom lines. Um, I feel like you don't give people ultimatums unless you're going to keep them, right? So, and that's what... An, an intervention. That's what your bottom line is. It's an ultimatum. Um, and so I'm always disappointed when people don't keep those things because I'm like, now they believe you even less than they did believe before they fucking went. But I'm also like, I get it. It's your kid. He's got nowhere to go. I could see him showing up being like, I relapsed, but I'm, but I stopped and now I've got a week sober, you know, whatever it is. And them being like, well, if you're not going to use here, it's fine. Um, you you got to leave if you're going to use. Um, the intervention on, like, the message on the screen says, Tim said he is sober, which is what they do when they don't believe you. <laughs> so I tried to find updates. Like I said, I found some really gross shit. Uh about people talking about medicine sexually. And I'm not saying that talking about someone sexually is gross. I'm talking about the way these people on this Honda engine <laughs> message board were talking about Madison was, I don't know, it made me be like, I hope she doesn't Google this. Um, you can't find a lot of updates. Tim was arrested in 2017 for cocaine in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, he's got a Wikipedia page, doesn't mention intervention, at least it didn't when I was there, and doesn't mention, like, really, this drug use? I don't, I don't know. I guess he's still working in music. Um, there are, Madison and Tim are obviously still broken up. Madison, so I was directed to an Instagram page that's supposedly Madison. Um, if it is Madison, it, it could be. The thing is, Madison has gained weight, and... Which is not, like, let me clarify this. It's not that Madison has gained a ton of weight and is unrecognizable. What it is is Madison isn't 20 anymore. 
And so while it looks like her, but she she's she's not skinny. She's got two kids. She's not skinny like like she is in that in this intervention. So I'm like, I don't know if that's really her or not. It could be her. It's probably her. I don't know. Anyway, she's got two kids. She's got a cute dogs. Um, her husband's cute in the right pictures and some other pictures he's not. And she, most importantly, she seems fucking happy. So love that for her. Um, I know Instagram isn't always the truth, but I don't know. I like seeing this person looking happy on Instagram. And that's it, guys. Oh, this one's a, a smidge long. Um, it's probably all that Demi Lovato talk. <laughs> I hope I guys, I hope I didn't dark you guys out with that. I just, and I definitely feel better. I'm glad I recorded this because, you know, before I was just like, oh, Demi. But now, I like, dealing with Tam and his crack and his sewer pipe and, and Madison's comma eyebrows. Like, I... I don't know. I'm uplifted. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to do this podcast. I'll see you guys soon.